Hello, everyone, and welcome to World of Basketball. This is Chris Tyler here, the producer of World of Basketball, taking over for Fran Fischella this week. He is currently in France with the USA 3x3 team, so he's a little bit busy. So I'm just going to jump on and introduce today's show. We're going to have a special show for you all today with obviously the NBA draft happening last Thursday. We thought it might be a fun idea to replay a couple of the chats from um, some of the guys that got drafted, some former guests that we had on earlier this season, including Dyson Daniels, who went at pick eight to the New Orleans Pelicans, and Jeremy Suhan, who went a pick after a pick nine to the San Antonio Spurs. We're going to replay both of those chats for you in this episode. We also had two other former World of Basketball guests get drafted in the second round, at the very start of the second round in the draft. We had... Andrew Nemhard get drafted at pick 31. He's off to the Indiana Pacers. And Christian Coloco went at pick 33. He is going to the Toronto Raptors. So the Raptors getting a very good player. I think uh, Christian Coloco is just impressing me uh, more and more each month. The leaps that he made of the last couple of months of the season were spectacular. So Really looking forward to seeing what the Raptors had there. It was a really fun draft. Now, obviously, there wasn't as many international players as we normally see last year. Last year's NBA draft was just spectacular in terms of top-end international talent. This year, though, there were still 21 international players or 21 players with you know, uh, international representation get drafted. That comes from 12 different countries. We obviously had Dyson Daniels uh, from Australia. We had... Uh, Luke Travis from Australia as well. We've had players from Serbia, Croatia, France, Brazil. So it's good to see that the international representation is still alive and well in the uh, NBA draft. And of course, next year, we spoke about this on the show last week, the player that everyone is expecting to go number one in the draft, Victor Wembanyama from France. He's the one that everyone's going to be looking out for next year. He is the guy that you'll probably see a whole bunch of NBA teams trying to tank for. This is a guy that David Hine mentioned on the show last week is a generational talent. He's a unicorn in the mold of, you know, Luka Doncic, uh, those sort of guys. So we're really looking forward to seeing what he does in Europe over the next 12 months or so. And then hopefully on the show next year, we can be talking about him as, as you know, the consensus number one draft pick and we can get another high-end international talent into the NBA, which is always exciting. So that's going to be enough for me. We'll hopefully get Fran Fischilla back in the chair next week. He can tell us all about how that trip to France went. Tell us a little bit more about that 3x3 team, how they're doing, how the preparations are going. Uh, really excited to hear all about that. But for now, let's get into our chat with Dyson Daniels, the now Pelicans player who we had a chat to earlier on in the year. And then after that, We'll replay our chat with Jeremy Sohan from the Spurs. First of all, I want to let people know about you. Your dad played at NC State. Mm -hmm. He's from North Carolina, and I have heard a rumor that you get back there on occasion and visit your relatives. Yeah, no, nah, that's, that's true. So, you know, dad was born and raised in North Carolina. You know, he grew up there, um, you know, big family um, household. And yeah, he was fortunate enough to play four years at um, NC State. So, um, you know, whenever, you know, me and my family can get over there and visit, you know, dad's side of the family, you know, we love to do that. You know, sometimes like Christmas holidays or when, whenever we have a break, it's always good to, you know, go visit them. And, you know, um, you know, dad loves going back there. So it's good. 
That's great. Now, you know, in the, in the United States, as you know, people in North Carolina have an accent, you know, right. and a Southern That's accent. That's very when strong. They, yeah. When they hear your accent, these relatives of yours, do they kind of smile a little bit? Yeah. I so Sometimes I find it hard to understand my uncle a little bit, but um, <laughs> I, it's good. I, I love going over there. You know, we play with his accent a little bit. Yeah. Do they know what Vegemite is? Uh, they, they haven't tried it. <laughs> I don't, I don't know about you, man. You probably like that stuff, but I can't get used to it. So I love it. Okay. Americans are taking like spoonfuls and eating them. Like, that's not how you do it. That's not how you do it. So. I got it. All right. Well, hey, uh, let's talk basketball for a second. Let's get to what you're doing right now. You're with the G League Ignite team, and uh, you would have had like many youngsters down under in Australia the chance to turn pro in the NBL, the chance to definitely come to college and and do what your dad did and what. Patty Mills did, Matty Delvadova, and you and your family chose the G League Ignite. What was the thinking behind that? Yeah, so, um, you know, growing up for me, I always thought I was going to go to college. You know, that's usually the route that people were taking, um, you know, coming out of Australia and, um, you know, going to college and, you know, trying to make the NBA dream that way. And um, I think at a young age, that was really what I wanted to do. And then, you know, as I started getting older and, you know, when I was at the NBA Academy for a little bit, you know, I think, you know, the people like Josh Giddy, LaMelo Ball, um, who came through the pro route, you know, that opened up the pro route a little bit more for me. And then I'm um, just seeing, you know, Jalen Green and like Jonathan Kaminga and those guys have, you know, they were the top, you know, some of the top high school American um, basketballs at the time. And they decided to come to G League. And, um, you know, the, the way the G League is able to help develop players, um, you know, you play NBA playing style, NBA, you know, um, time, so 12-minute quarters, um, you know, NBA lines, you know, it's everything about it's NBA. So you're playing against NBA talent as well. So I think, you know, that having that and having the development that the G League offered me was, um, you know, something that, you know, I really wanted for me was personally was the, um, you know, being so young and still having, still having so much development in me, you know, that's really what I wanted. The G League had the um, best to offer that out of all the options that I had. What's the biggest surprise uh, of being on this team and playing in the G League? What, what, what rocked you back a little bit and surprised you? Yeah, I mean, the games are long. Like at, at eight minutes, doesn't seem that much longer. But you know, the games are very long. You know, the courts are a bit longer, so it's you know, it's tiring. You know, going up and down um, for that long. So I think coming in, you know, I was like the first few weeks of practice, you know, I was tired getting up and down a little bit. So I knew that I had to get my conditioning up and, um, you know, that was something I went and worked on. You know, I was able to, we, I was able to have a treadmill here, um, you know, where I'm staying. So I was getting on that. Um, but yeah, I think that was the main thing that probably shocked me a little bit that I wasn't expecting, you know, I was expecting it to be more physical and stuff like that. So I always, I can't, I always came in with higher like expectations of what it's going to be. So, um, you know, I was prepared for it, but I think, the main thing that struck me was how long the games are and you know, how tiring you can get. Let's tell people about the Global Academy, okay, because it's it's relatively new. We've got Jonathan Chamuachachua playing at Baylor, the number one team in the country, Santi Vescovi. I'm not sure if Santi was in Australia with you, but yeah, certainly, right. yeah, the, the he was? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so those guys, we, we're starting to know a little bit more about the NBA Global Academy. And, of course, Josh Giddy is having a fabulous year. I can't wait to ask you about him in a second. But tell me about the NBA Global Academy and how it helped you get ready for your, you know, your trip across the water. Yeah, so being in Australia, you know, that's I think that's the best place to be, the NBA Global Academy. Um, and, you know, the Center of Excellence there, there's, you know, the coaching that they have there when I was there, Adam Capel and Marty Clark, you know, that really helped me develop into who I was today. 
you know, when I got there, um, you know, I was able to grow a little bit, but, you know, I got stronger in the weight room. You know, I was playing against really good talent. Like you said, Santi Vescovi, Josh Giddy, those type of players. Um, you know, I was going against them every day at practice. And, um, you know, I think being a part of that, you know, being able to go on overseas trips as well and play against, you know, international talent. Um, and just, you know, I got a feel for everything in the Global Academy. And I think, you know, that was what really helped me become who I am today. Um, you know, just the, the development that they had to offer there was, you know, really good. How much confidence are you gaining watching Josh do what he's doing, knowing that, you know, you guys are similar in some ways? It's huge. You know? Yeah. It's huge. I think, you know, the international playing style, um, the way it translates to the NBA is, you know, it's, it, it works really well. You know, you see, um, you know, like the Josh Giddies, the Luka Doncic's, um, you know, Franz Wagner, who's, who's killing it right now. I think, you know, they just have a bit of a different playing style and see the game a little bit different. So, um, you know, I think NBA teams are, are loving that right now. So, you know, they, I've always said that the Australian way of playing, the boomer culture and the, the teamwork, the togetherness, that that fits the NBA also. How much of that Australian basketball background in your game is going to help you, you know, make that transition? Yeah, it's huge. Australian basketball, you know, it's different to American basketball. It's a lot different. Um, you know, like you see see the Boomers playing in, um, in the World Cup and, you know, at the Olympics and stuff, the way they move the ball, share the ball, you know, the like the sets that they run for players and things like that, you know, you just see the ball flying around through everyone's hands. And, um, you know, I think personally for me, that's helped me a lot to, you know, become a better passer and see the floor a lot better, um, make reads and things like that. So, you know, seeing, um, you know, being able to play the Australian way, um, you know, over in here, here in the U.S. has helped me a lot. You're you're a big guard, and people aren't sure yet whether you're going to be a point guard or two guard. Who cares? You're going to be on the court in the NBA. How, how much of the development of a place like the Center for Excellence, the Global Academy, you know, I, I think of Ben Simmons at 6'9", I think of Josh at whatever six Josh is now. Uh, just the idea of being able to learn how to share the ball at such a young age. How did how did you learn to do that? Yeah, so I think growing up, you know, my instincts were always, you know, team first and, you know, be able to get, um, you know, players involved. And then, you know, coming through the NBA Global Academy, it was nothing different to like being in a Broomers program or something, you know, where we're learning how to play with each other, move the ball. And, you know, for me, you know, I, I started a lot like as a little guard, you know, I had a late growth spurt. So, um, I was, you know, luckily for me, I was able to, you know, have a little bit of handle, um, you know, being a point guard and then growing only helps. Um, but, you know, I think for me, it's just, you know, showing that, um, you know, I can play the point guard, but I think in today's basketball, you know, being six, six, you can really, you know, play one through four, um, you know, be versatile. And, you know, for me, um, I just like to show, show everything I have, you know, sometimes the big guards don't have the best ball handling, but, you know, they can see over the little guards that might be guarding them. And, you know, they just have like something different. Like they can go, they can go down to the post. Um, you know, that if they got good passing skills or something, you can, you know, put them at the four sometimes. So I think for me, it's being versatile and just, you know, being able to play wherever coach needs me to. Yeah. Do you stay in touch at all with Josh? Do you text him? Uh -huh. Are you are you picking up things from him that you think are going to help you make the transition? Yeah, I do. You know, I talk to Josh all the time. You know, we got the same agent. Um, you know, luckily for me, before the NBA season, we're able to get some workouts in together. So, um, you know, it's great seeing his success. You know, he's come a long way from you know where he came from, and you know, us, you know, coming up through the same rankings um, at the NBA Global Academy. You know, we stay in touch all the time, and you know, I watch his games. I, I watch nearly every one of his games, and you know, just seeing him kill it's you know really good.
All right, now tell me about this town you grew up in. I got see if I say it right. Bendigo. Yeah, Bendigo. That's the one. Bendigo. Tell me about Bendigo. What kind of place is that? I, you know, I, I know where I know where Sydney is. I know where Melbourne is. But what's Bendigo like? Bendigo. It's it's. I love Bendigo. You know, it's a little. It's not little. It's like a bigger country town kind of thing. But um, it's a great basketball community. Um, you know, they love their basketball. It's got a great junior program that brings um, you know, you know, like helps people be, like develop and stuff there and yeah it's about an hour and a half drive from melbourne so it's it's pretty close to melbourne where um you know the main basketball is played in the state but um yeah for me i'm a country boy you know i grew up in the country i love you know going out to the farm with some of my friends sometimes and stuff like that so i'm a country boy but you know bendigo is just yeah, a nice community um a bit like where i'm staying here in walnut creek but yeah, I love I love being from Bendigo. It was great. Good it's job. Like North Carolina. It sounds like North Carolina. It sounds like North Carolina. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And it, is your dad still a legend in, in Bendigo? Yeah, he is. You know, he um he came down as an import and you know made a big difference for Bendigo. So you know, people know him around there, which is good. But you know, um, he has a gym there as well. So you know, he, people love him around there. Very cool. All right, I covered the Olympics this summer uh, for NBC here in the states, and uh, as I said to you. Off, off, uh, off camera, off microphone. I have a lot of Aussie friends. I have a lot of Aussie friends associated with the Boomers. Yeah. Where were you during the Olympics? Uh, where were you watching? And then where were you when they won the bronze? Yeah, so I just finished my World Cup tour up. Um, so I think I was in I was in a two week quarantine. Um, you know, in a hotel while the um, Olympics was on. So luckily for me, I was able to watch all the games. You know, see all the Aussies perform. And um, you know, I think. Being around, you know, uh, the center of excellence and, you know, the players that came through there, a lot of them are with the Boomers now. And, you know, our coach, Adam Caporn, he always comes back and talks to us about the Boomer culture and just how tight they are. And, you know, seeing them win that medal was really special to me as well because I knew how badly some of them wanted it. And I um, had to like, go out and play the hearts out, which you could see on the floor was, um, you know, it was huge for the, the country and, you know, they deserved it. So it was really good to watch. Have you? I know you've been part of the national team program. I think already, right? Yeah. What's What's the thought process of you someday? Who knows? Maybe twenty three and twenty four aren't that far away. What is What's because you know I remember Josh played well in the exhibition game for the Aussies in Las Vegas. Yeah, 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 yeah. So tell me about that. Just the idea, of maybe playing for the Boomers in the near future. Anytime I get an opportunity to play for the Boomers, I want to play. You know, I love going and playing for my country. Um, you know, it's a, like I said, it's a great culture. It's a great team environment, you know, and um, I think just when everyone comes to play, you know, they come from different clubs in the NBL, NBA, and they just come and gel so well. They all have the same goal and they all, you know, want to make it happen. So for me, anytime I get to play for the Boomers, I'm going to take it, you know, and hopefully uh, it was 2023 20, or four Olympics, you know, hopefully I'll be able to put my um, foot forward for that and uh, give it my best shot. So. Good. All right. Well, there's a lot of people were talking about that already. And you're only 18. You're going to turn 19, I think, in the spring. So you got you may be you may be part of that boomer team for a long time if you stay healthy. So all right. All right. if I give you a couple, let me, give me a give me a one liner on some of these guys because uh, you grew up watching them and in some cases now working out with them and playing with them. Matt Delavadova. Uh gritty, hot, like just gritty. You know how do I say? Um, well, you probably just summarize it. He's so gritty and just, <laughs> you know, he, hard work, but that doesn't explain he's so much more than hard work. He just works his tail off. So. Yeah. Patty Mills. 
Patty Mills is just excellent, you know, brilliance, you know, definition of how basketball should be played. Yeah. Uh, Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles is smart, you know, <laughs> very um, – I love watching his game. You know, I try to play similar to him, so I'd say he's got a unique, unique game. Yeah. I, I don't think he likes it when I say this. He's the slowest guy in the NBA, but he's, uh, he's also – yeah, he's one of the greatest pick and roll players in the world to exactly. me. He's so smart. So. Yeah, he, see, he sees the whole thing. Okay, Coach Gorge. Have you got to know Coach Gorgian yet? Yeah, I've, I've met with Coach Gorge a little bit. Um, I'd say, you know, smart and um, very talented in his job. Very talented. Got yeah. it. You know, I agree with all those things. So I just want to want to get you on record, you know, so that – they they know you they know you you're you're talking well about them. All right, yeah, what, um, um, yeah. bigger words got to go search dictionary find some bigger words. No, no, you did well. You did no, you you did well, Dyson. That's cool. All right, what do you expect? Okay, I saw you a couple of weeks ago in Las Vegas. You had to know, uh, you know, you've been practicing at Walnut Creek. You played the the first twelve games of the G League season. Did you sense that the winter showcase, like, hey, every NBA team's here scouting? There's going to be some GMs here. What kind of, what kind of feeling? What kind of pressure, if any, did you feel when you were when you were in Vegas at the Winter Showcase? Yeah, I try. I try. You know, not to not to you know put that too much pressure on myself. But obviously, playing in front of that many um, scouts and you know, every NBA team, there's going to be a little bit of pressure. But you know, I just wanted to play my game and show you know everything I could do. Um, you know, I'm I'm, not, I'm an unselfish guy, so I like to get my teammates involved. And then when it's my turn to go get a bucket, you know, being the point guard on the team, you know, I'm able to do that because I got the ball in my hands the whole time. So I think you know, just showing them everything I could do, and and you know, personally for me, I take you know big pride on the defensive end. So just showing them that you know I can be one of the best defenders in the NBA. Yeah, you had a great two way game in that that game that we did on ESPN against Grand Rapids. Be honest with me. When the game is over, what are you thinking? Like, what are you thinking in your head? Like, you know, you played well, but what, what's your what's your mindset after a game like that? Yeah. So um, for me, you know, it was, it was a great feeling knowing that we played, we won as a team and I, you know, I had a good game. So for me, after the game, you know, I was, you know, just, I'll say, I'll say excited, but like, you know, I, I, we had a game the next day, so I was excited for a little bit. But then, you know, yeah. I flipped my focus, you know, after a couple of hours to the ne- next day, um, you know, to prepare for the next game. But for me, I just, you know, I like to stay grounded and, you know, I don't, I don't want to get too high or too low. I just want to stay in between because you know, sometimes emotions can, you know, um, mess up the way you play. But, um, yeah, for me, I just like to stay low grounded and, you know, let my basketball do the talking. Your the the G League Unite team uh, Unite team is interesting because the way they accept started it last year and even again this year, you have the young guys like yourself and and Scoot and uh, and Jaden Hardy who are going to be off to the NBA, but they also have veterans around you guys that have been around the NBA, been overseas, and of course Jason Hart played in the NBA. Your coach, right. who's the who's the vet or coach that you've gravitated to, maybe more than others that you know that's in your ear about. Hey, here's how we do it. Here's something to think about. Is there anybody like that? Or yeah. is everybody like that with you? The vet's really good. To me, um, being a point guard, Pooh Jetta, um, you know, he's, you know, been around a long time. He's played, you know, a lot of places as well. Um, and, you know, he's a, he's a really good leader to me. You know, every practice, every game, you know, he's coming and telling me, like, you know, what I need to work on, you know, like, you got to see this, you got to look. Keep your head up when you're coming off off this pick and roll, and look at this. And um, you know he's really good to me. Um, just 
you know, helping me develop. And um, personally, for me, it's really helped because, you know, he's a really smart guy and he plays the same position for me. So he's probably the main one. But then the coaches as well, you know, like you said, Jay Hart, you know, he's been in the NBA. Um, you know, he's seen it all. So he's been a, a lot of help to me as well. Yeah. How about, have you talked, I'll tell you, I don't know if you realize how good Rod Strickland was in the NBA. Rod's been helping me a lot as well. You know, I work on my ball handling and finishing with Rod, so he's been helping me a lot. 17 years, man, and he uh, close to a Hall of Fame player, really, you know. Right. All right, tell me, about, you know what? The, the one thing everybody wanted to know when you guys got together with all these young players, you know, with you and, and I mentioned Scoot, Jaden Hardy, Mike Foster, how are you going to play well together? When I saw you plays, you, you said something interesting about a 48-minute game. It seemed to me when I've watched you play on film and then in person twice that it's almost like the game is long enough for everybody to have time to do their thing. Right. Do you sense, do you sense that? And do you know when the other guys kind of need to get some touches? Yeah, exactly. Um, you said it perfectly. The game, the game is very long, so everyone you know has an opportunity to go get theirs. And I think for us um, as a team, you know, we have so many young guys that are trying to get to the next level, and obviously to get to the next level, you got to show you can do things and. I think it's us for a team. We just got to, you know, sacrifice a little bit to play well, well together and, you know, share the ball. So, you know, everyone's getting, getting looks, everyone's getting um, the opportunities. And I think, you know, against the grad, Grand Rapids, especially, we um, did, did that really well. And, um, you know, when we do that well as a team, we play well. And then sometimes, you know, um, if things are going downhill, you know, sometimes you can get a little bit caught up. But that's that's just being us being young and, you know, coming from teams where, you know, we're the guy to, you know, everyone coming together. So um, I think for us, when we play together as a team and sacrifice, everyone gets looks, we're, we're really good and really hard to beat. So, yeah. I, tell me about some of these guys. Scoot is still 17 years old. What? What impresses you about Scoot? You're going to be going against him like forever in the, in the league. That guy's crazy, man. Like in transition, he can't be stopped. Like he's so fast. He's so athletic. He's so strong. You know, he's jumping over people, practice dunking on everyone. And, you know, he's he's got a really good handle and pull-up game as well. So he's going to be special. And how about Jaden? Give me something about Jaden that impresses you. Jaden's one of the craftiest guys I've seen. You know, he can get his own shot at any time. Um, you know, he's a great shooter, you know, great again to the rim. He's just a really good three-level scorer. How would it, what do you, what are you guys planning now? I think you, you played the 12 games. To, I know the league is getting back COVID. What was fun about being in Las Vegas, Dyson, honestly, was to call a game and the next day that guy was up to the NBA. I don't know if you recognize how crazy that was, but. It's been, yeah, it's been good because we've been playing against a lot of people who have been called up. So you can yeah. say playing against NBA players is good. Exactly. In fact, I think the game that I know the game what we did, you were uh, you guys went up against uh, Lance Stevenson. Yeah, exactly. Him and Mario Thomas as well. He had a really good um, NBA career. So. Yeah, you know, you know what Lance did last night, don't you? Yeah, I did see that. I was crazy. Thirty that's, points. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. Was he talking any trash out there? He used to talk of in course. his. Of okay. Course. Yeah. <laughs> He was. He yeah, that's was. good, man. Get used to that because that's probably going to be half the league, you know? That's good. I, I love, I love you know, talking like it's it's fun. So, you know, it gives yeah. it that energy. What's the goal now for the rest of the G League season for you personally and for the team? Yeah, so, you know, the team, we, we obviously want to keep winning as a team. Um, but, you know, we just want to develop. Everyone wants to develop. Personally, I want to, um, you know, just show that, you know, I can take steps forward and be consistent. I think sometimes this year I've – you know, had a good game, and then the next game has been a, a 
bad ones. So I think for me, it's showing consistency and just building, showing that, you know, I can, you know, knock down the three ball, you know, I can create for others, I can create for myself. Um, and then defense has always got to be my mindset coming into games, you know, I'm going to guard the best players. So for me, it's just building and showing consistency. Right. You, so you'll end about April, early April. And then what's the plan with you and, and your agent, family? Are you going to go back home? Or are you going to stay and train? Or how's that? Do you, do you have a plan yet? Uh, I don't, it's not set yet, but it'll depend, um, you know, where I'm sitting in like the draft leaderboard and stuff on what I do, you know, I'll be, you know, I'll definitely be in the U S before the draft, um, you know, working out with, you know, teams and stuff like that. So for me, it's not set out yet, but, um, you know, I'm sure in like a month or so, you know, I'll have more of an idea. What's excel? What, what excites you about playing in the NBA? Everything. I was like, like I've dreamed of it as a kid You know, I've had sleepless nights thinking about, you know, what it'd be like, um, you know, that's my dream. Wherever I go, um, you know, I'll be happy. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep, keep working and, you know, hopefully one day I will hopefully in June I'll get my name called the NBA draft. Yeah. If you th- I know you've thought about walking across that stage, right? For sure. For yeah. sure. What, yeah. are you, what are you going to work on the next couple of months? What, now that you've had a half a season in the G League against, you know what, I here's something I said on TV, like, the G League guys aren't, like, there's only, there's 7 billion people on the planet and the G League, you know, some of those guys are going up to the NBA, but basically when you add the NBA, the Euro League and the G League, it's the best 2000 players in the world. Right. And, it, and at 18, you've been going up against them. But now that you've had a half a season, what are some things that you say to yourself? I have to get better at this. Yeah, for me, it's definitely my shooting. Um, you know, I just need to show that I can become a consistent shooter and knock down the three ball. And, you know, I think. For me, that'll open everything up, um, you know, because then they'll have to come out and guard me more. They'll have to chase over screens rather than go under them. And, you know, for me, that opens everything up. And personally, I like to get to my little floater game, you know, around the rim and, you know, go a good touch around the rim. So for me, it's definitely my shooting. But then little things like just getting in the gym, getting stronger, um, you know, my ball handling still needs to improve. So those are little things I need to do. But definitely my, you know, my shooting needs to improve. I always wondered about this as a former coach, when you have a guy that's so good at getting into the lane like you are and some others, is that, is that, I mean, you're going to become a good shooter. Your form is great, but is it because like you've always been a guy that can, has been able to attack the basket so easily? Um, no, that might play a little role in it, but you know, I think for me, it's just confidence. You know, I feel like sometimes my shot can change a little bit where if I've missed a few or something like that. So it's for me, it's just rhythm, consistency, getting more shots up um, and, you know, having the same shot every time because you know, sometimes in practice, you know, I can, you know, go lights out and can't miss, but it's for me, it's just implementing that in the game and showing that I can become a consistent shooter. But um, yeah, like you said, getting, um, you know, for me, being able to get into the, the paint sometimes so easy, um, you know, I don't need to shoot it, but for me, um, you know, just be able to get that shot and make that make defense guard me differently um, is big. Um, let me ask you this before we're going to keep you a couple more minutes. Did you get a chance to see Lamelo when he was in the NBL? I, I did. I watched a few games of him. So you know, he's taking huge steps as well, just like um, you know Giddy, and um, that, that opens up everything for the NBL as well. You know, they had what these Josh Giddy and Lamelo Ball, Isaiah Hampton, the guys that have come through the NBL. Um, and you know, making impacts on the NBA, you know, just give them more looks on the NBA too. How much do you think being an Aussie point guard with Lamelo doing what he did in the NBA and, and now Josh make kind of makes it easier for you? People you got a little more respect, I think, right off the bat. 
I mean, yeah, I guess you could look at it that way, but, you know, I like to look at it as, you know, I just, I have to keep working and I have to become the best version of me, but I'm sure, you know, with the talent that the international game has brought in, um, you know, to the NBA these days, I'm sure it gives more of a looks to the international, you know, um, players and, you know, leagues and stuff like that. But, you know, I like to, you know, just keep my head down and, um, you know, outwork people and, you know, you know, the results will, you know, they'll come. How are you doing, Jeremy? Baylor, Baylor's finest. I'm doing well. How are you? Outstanding. All right. Now, first of all, uh, let me ask you, and if you can't tell me much, tell me how your ankle's doing because you did not play on Tuesday. How's that yeah. coming and how you feeling about it? Yeah, I'm feeling all right. You know, it's, it's a little frustrating not being able to be out there with my boys, but um, I'm getting a lot better and, you know, taking it day by day. We're going to see how it is. And I, I think it's going in the best way, in the, in the, in the right way. So, Okay. Yeah. Good, good. Well, we hope you're back. You, you, did, you did not play. And by the way, Baylor's first loss in 305 days. Don't know if you know that. I so, did not know that. That's yeah. crazy. So, that is crazy. And what we can say is Baylor has never lost a game with Jeremy uh, <laughs> Suhan in the lineup, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, we hope, we hope you get back soon. And, uh, and, and you are our first Polish guest. It's really cool to, and I've gotten to know you a little bit, uh, obviously covering uh, the big 12 and Baylor. So tell me this, what's your, just give me a general overview. What's your freshman year at Baylor been like on and off the court? Right. I mean, it's, it's been crazy. There's not a lot of other words to, uh, you know, explain it. It's been, it's been crazy. You know, I didn't really expect all of this coming in. You know, because of COVID, I couldn't visit. I couldn't visit any schools actually. So it was, it was like I, I didn't even know. It's the unexpected, <laughs> but uh, it's been great. Everyone's treated me really well, and um, I think I've been doing well on the basketball court. And of course, it's been great as well. There's, you know, the the community here is great. So uh, you must know because you've been there quite a couple times. So exactly, a couple times, a couple hundred times. I yeah, think. exactly. <laughs> but, uh, all right. Well, tell me what you tell me because you did not. Uh, people don't know this, and we'll get into why you you know, ultimately decided on bail or we'll talk about your, you know, amazing background, but what did surprise you about, you know, you know, you went to school at, up in Northern Indiana for a year at Lovell, right. but what did surprise you about being a college freshman? Yeah, I think just the, like the workload, um, you have a lot of freedom, but you know, you still have to get into the, into the gym, you have GAs to help you and all of that just really like, I, I didn't expect all of that. And, I think it's been great. And I think since I've been here, I've leveled up my game so much, not only physically, but mentally as well. So um, yeah. it's been good. What about off the court? What's been like, you're in, you're in central Texas. I mean, right. You're in Waco, Texas. You grew up basically 50 miles north of London. Yeah. So what, what's, what's that been like? The community, <laughs> the school, the campus, the, you know. Sure. First of all, I got, I got to say America's, way different than uh, England like just everything <laughs> like the roads how big it is it's yeah. crazy different and like I came into uh Texas in June like early early um late May so it was crazy hot I've never like experienced this type of hotness <laughs> so yeah it was it was it was a good change and I think I adapted well but um yeah. even like Baylor as a school um everywhere I go during like campus everyone's really nice and kind and yeah. Um, spiritually, I think I've leveled up as well. So, yeah, yeah. it's been good. You know, I got to give you a secret. I, I lived in Dallas for 19 years. I married a Texan. Okay. We moved to Colorado this summer because my wife got tired <laughs> of the Texas heat. Right, exactly. <laughs> I was. Yeah. I, I couldn't even leave the house at times because it was that hot. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Right. 
I know. Well, you're not the only one who feels that. But it's also good in the winter when you don't get any snow. That's true. That's true. You know, did you get any snow in Milton Keynes? Uh, you know, did you get any snow in in uh, growing up in England? Yeah, it'd be like a couple of days, and it wouldn't be like a crazy amount of snow. But in England, they like over exaggerate, and like no one can ride, like no one can drive, no one can go to work, and it's just a it's a snow day, which is which was fun as a little kid. But yeah, there's not it's not too often where we get snow. I give you but a secret. Power, but in yeah. Poland, you'd get snow. Oh, for sure. I wouldn't yeah. ask you about that. But but you know what's funny in Texas, Waco, Dallas, you know, if you get like a couple of days a year of ice or snow, maybe right. maybe once every couple of years, nobody knows how to drive. <laughs> exactly. It's like that in England too. Yeah, it's the same thing. So you hopefully you don't have any uh snow or ice this year, Waco. Right. Hopefully. <laughs> All right. So staying on Baylor for a second, you committed to Baylor without ever visiting. Yeah. Yeah, because of COVID and all the craziness that we've all been through the last 18 months. But you developed a pretty good relationship, from what I understand, with uh, Coach Jacobs, the assistant coach, and, of course, Coach Drew. You had a lot of good choices. And you don't have to talk about the other schools. But when you decided that Baylor was going to end up being for you, what was it about, you know, the the relationship you built up with those guys that you said, I'm going to give give these guys my next few years? Yeah, for sure. I mean, for me and my family, it's more about like relationships instead of, you know, like the facilities, what name the, the, the university has or anything like that. And um, during COVID, we just had a, a great chance to, you know, just be on a lot of Zoom calls, uh, phone calls and just really connect as people and not only basketball like knowledge, but just just general knowledge. And um, we just create like great bonds. I think uh they uh they got my parents trust as well and uh from there you know i'm here so <laughs> did uh, you think you did, when you first met coach drew on a zoom call did you say this guy can't be this nice all the time <laughs> <laughs> yes i was like wow coach drew has crazy like energy and it's all positive energy which is yeah uh, the great thing about coach drew um so yeah it was it was it was, it was a surprise but it's good it's a good surprise and you know i'm here right now and it's the same yeah, yeah that, that's cool when someone is the same that you you know you got to know them and now you're living with him and you know you put your teammates and your coaches day by day right exactly exactly yeah. now it's kind of crazy because you committed to Baylor before they won a national championship what was that yeah. like like you were you were in Germany and we'll talk about that but what was it like when all of a sudden they're the best team in the country right like I couldn't even think about it it's like I was lost for words I was like watching the, the March Madness and I'm like, I'm really going there. And it was, it was, it was like to a point where you kind of like question yourself, like a little bit, like, are you good enough? Or are you, can you play there? And um, it was, it was a little bit, I was, I was pretty nervous coming here, but I feel like uh, the nervous was a positive nervous. And uh, I feel like I've been doing well since I've been here. So yeah, you are doing well. You're going to have a great basketball future. All right. So you're an Oklahoma city thunder fan. I've been told. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I did. I was. I was yeah. Uh, is I, that because? Is that because in the back of your mind you were born in Oklahoma? Your mom played college basketball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. I, I haven't been back to Oklahoma, but that's what. <laughs> well, you know what? At some point uh, in the next, maybe this year, next year, you'll be interviewing with teams. Right. And when Oklahoma City interviews, <laughs> interviews you. They're going to be thrilled to know that uh, you're already a Thunder fan, you know? Exactly. <laughs> most, most people grow up Laker fans, Nick fans, you know? Right. 
but you're that's kind of cool because uh you know you you were born in oklahoma and all right so your mom she was a basketball player you know, she your, was. your dad was too they met in oklahoma yeah. and your mom but your mom was a point guard yeah she was a point guard she was uh, she, she was from poland mm-hmm and she ended up in the middle of nowhere. I hate to say middle that. <laughs> it's, 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 the truth, though. it's not Oklahoma City or Tulsa. It's the middle of nowhere. It's cool, Guyman. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Guyman, Oklahoma. Okay. And so I imagine when you went back to uh, to to England with her, that she was your first basketball like instructor, teacher. Yeah, she was. She was my teacher, but also my coach until I was like, I want to say like 13, 14. Wow. So wow. yeah, I, I love my knowledge is from my mom. <laughs> So did shout you, out moms. Did you, was she still in pretty good shape as you were like a kid growing up? Could you see that she had talent? Yeah. Yeah. So it was a funny fact. Um, during <laughs> practices, she would come, like she would play with us. Uh, I don't know if you know, like the Joe 11 man fast break. Yeah. Uh, she would yeah. be playing with us. She would be messing around with us. And that's, that's what uh, just made me realize she could, she, you know, she saw the floor. She had the IQ and everything. So it was, it was pretty cool. That is cool. Not a lot of people can say that their mom had more to do with their best. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> did she play on the Polish national team? Uh, she didn't. Um, she yeah. did like have like she went to the camp and everything, but she never got really it. selected for the like the final score. Okay, got it. Okay, and then so you end up in in England, and uh, and she met your stepdad, and you know you've been in you, you you've been in England most of the time. How did she get to England? Did she have a connection there? Um, you know, what was the connection to England? Yeah, I think I think there was no like real connection. I think it's just like another you know place where there's a lot of opportunity, just like America, right? Um, and she just went there and started from scratch. And you know, I grew up with her, and she just worked really hard. And you know, she 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 grew me up. And yeah, yeah, that's kind of cool. When you go back to how do you did you get to even as a child did you get to visit Poland often? Yeah, like nearly every summer I'd go there. Um, yeah. To spend time with my grandma. That's why I know Polish pretty well. Yeah. Um, so my, you know, my family back in Poland, and even for Christmas at times would go there too. So it was a lot of fun. So when you play, when you play in the Polish, uh, when you did play under 16s, and then most recently with the Euro qualifying team, did they make fun of your accent? Uh, a little bit. <laughs> I, think, I think most people were surprised that I could actually even speak Polish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like they understood that I, you know, had a little accent. I couldn't say some words, but. Uh, right. I think they're all proud of me for actually being able to, you know, have the confidence to speak Polish um, and yeah, listen to them. So, yeah. What's a, what's a favorite Polish meal? Uh, my favorite Polish meal is probably uh, pierogies. They're like dumplings. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So good. They're, and you, you can, can get them. You can't be Polish and not like pierogies. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, you, you get you get kicked out of the country. I think. All right. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. All right. So you're. You're growing up in, in England and then you all of a sudden, you know, uh, but you you told me the other day, because I always love to do my research, mm-hmm. you played rugby. Yeah, and, and soccer. And so and soccer, but we call we can call it football on this podcast. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. I appreciate that. Forget cool. football. Football, that's for Coach Aranda and the Bears, <laughs> but that's for them. That's American football. But you and I both know you grew up playing football. Exactly. Real football. <laughs> Real football. Right, do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite premier club? Arsenal. That's Arsenal. Okay. Yeah. How'd you, how'd you come up? Why Arsenal? Pardon? Why Arsenal? So uh, my stepfather um, follows Arsenal. He's a great fan. And uh, yeah. from there, I just really loved Arsenal. We've, we've gone to the stadium. We've watched a few games. And, oh, man. Uh, yeah. That, that's a crazy atmosphere. If I, 
If I encourage you to do one thing when you're in England, is go to, yeah. to a Premier League game for sure. Oh man, you know, two years ago before the pandemic, mm-hmm. I, I had my trip. My wife and I were going to London, right? And we were going to do some sightseeing, and I had to make sure that there were some Premier League games in London that yeah. May, and there were three teams home. But of course, oh. we, the trip ended, so yeah. I'm going to do that soon. You have to. It's crazy. I got to see a Premier League game. That's yeah. cool. All right, so you were a soccer goalie, but you are. You played some rugby. Did rugby, did those sports help you, you think? I think so. I think like all sports help you in what like a certain way. I think uh, like football uh, gave me like the footwork and just being able to uh, read stuff and, you know, being a goal in, in goalie is pretty hard and you have to like intercept yeah. stuff and stuff. So um, yeah. I think everything's helped me for sure. Yeah. And rugby probably toughened you up a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had to stop rugby because I was going <laughs> to. Uh, yeah. You know, that reminds me because I'm going to jump around. But given that you've played like a 15 college games, is it more physical than you expected? Is FIBA more physical? What's your comparison? To be honest, I thought it'd be a little bit more physical coming in. Um, but I knew like, so when I was in Germany, um, yeah. I love the first league teams, uh, the first league team I was on. I uh, yeah. had players who already played in uh, the Big 12, like uh, Dylan, uh, I forgot his last name. It's a Polish last name. Played yeah. in Texas. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, something Zuski. I can't believe yeah, it. Yeah, 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 it's, it's, a Polish, it's a Polish last name. Uh-huh. And, he's a, and he's a rough kid. He's a big, rough yeah, yeah. guy. Yeah, exactly. So he he gave me a lot of, you know, advice coming into Big 12. And right. um, I listened to it. And I think I've I've been pretty good with the physicality and everything here. So, yeah. You know, I honestly, when I do NBA, uh, you know, like Olympics and FIBA world championships, right. The NBA guys say that FIBA is much more physical. Exactly. They let more contact go. Right. So, you know, I think that's the adjustment when you come here is like the referees call a lot of fouls, you know? Mm -hmm. So, all right. So you, you go, um, you, you end up being the MVP of the under 16 Euro B division. Yeah, right. uh, a couple of years ago. And what did that do for your confidence? Uh, I think it boosted a lot, but not even the, the MVP, just being able to play with my team. I think yeah. from the start of like camp, we were all just so together. And yeah, I think when you're together as a team, that's where your confidence comes and shows, your toughness shows, your mental yeah. toughness shows. And um, I think we just played really well and it was, it was a lot of fun. And yeah. I was lucky to get MVP. And, uh, show the world that I can, I can play. There's probably guys you played against uh, that are gonna you're gonna end up playing against them for the next 10, 15 years somewhere. Right. NBA or you know summer you know European championships. That that probably had it. Is anybody coming to mind that might be in college right now that you can remember? In college, yeah. um, I'm not sure, but I know were smaller countries too. They wouldn't yeah. be like Serbia, France, but, Spain. Like before, before the uh, the actual uh, Division B tournament, yeah, play like preseason games, yep, and pre to like tournaments before that. And I, I've played like against like Victor, when uh, when yeah, um, a couple others. So uh, I feel like you know being at like even last year playing in the Under 18s Euro League AGT, yeah. uh, yep. there's a lot of names there who um, have possibly chances to go to the NBA and everything. So. Yeah, um, sure. There's been a lot of good experiences for me. So, let's, t- let's tell people on the podcast, Victor Wembayana is uh, class. He'll be in the 23 draft. Yeah. Not this year, 23. And he's 7'3". And he's uh, a freak of nature, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah. 
even uh, I remember playing him. I think we were sixteen or uh, it's fifteen or fourteen, and yeah. he was already like long, yeah, uh, lanky and skinny. But it was it was it was a great matchup. So yeah, That's great, man. You're gonna run into guys like that. You you'll even remember guys ten years from now. Go, oh yeah, you were in under sixteens. Yep, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You go to you go to La Lumiere Academy in Northern Indiana, which has produced a lot of high level college and and then later NBA players. You were there, I think, your junior year, right? Yeah, correct. Pre pre COVID, mm. and what was that like? Were you there with Jade and Ivy? Yeah, yeah. So Jade and Ivy is my boy. Uh, <laughs> I was there with uh, Wendell Green Junior. Yeah, Wendell Green. Um, uh, yeah. Denim, Denim Wojcik. Did you play Den- with Denim? Denim Wojcik and then Kamari Lands as well. Yeah. Jane yeah. Thompson from Minnesota. So yeah, we had a pretty good squad. Um, yeah. And that was like my first experience really of America, like living nice. here, um, being around Americans. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was, it was good. It was, it was a really good experience, you know, playing on the national like schedule, um, right. you know, to be exposed to like colleges and everything like that was yeah. uh, great for me. And it was really exciting. And it's yeah. a shame it ended so early because of COVID. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Did you, I think when you first got there, you were probably still trying to find your confidence, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. I think yeah. it was, that was the the time where I, you know, maybe I lost a little bit because of just being in a new environment and being right. in America for the first yeah. time. But, uh, yeah. I definitely you, gained it. you gained it probably by the end of your junior year. I'm exactly. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Sure. All right. Give me the scoop on Jaden. Are you surprised he's this good now? Or? I'm not surprised. I, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. He's, yeah. he's a, He's elite. He was elite in in high school, and I was surprised yeah. he was so low in like high school, like ranked and everything. And, right, right. Uh, people so low on him, but yeah, he's been doing great. I've kept I've kept up with him, and yeah. he has a great family as well. So I'm, yeah. I'm proud of him. I've I've seen Purdue three times in person this year. Mm, yeah, he, he's a freak. He's he is he is man. He stops and starts, and right. speed is probably as good as anybody in college basketball. He's a leader, that so yeah. And then Denim, Denim was throwing you lobs, I'm sure. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah. I miss that guy. Yeah, he's in Harvard now, doing well. That's Doug Wojcik's son, Coach Wojcik's up at Michigan State. They, they yeah, probably yeah. tried to get in on you, right? Because of Denim, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. No, I got it. I understand how that works. These these college coaches, man, they're <laughs> good salesmen, you know. Right. Drew might be the best. But, uh, <laughs> that's cool. All right. So when COVID hit. You went back to Europe, yeah. And you know, not not unusual, really, but because this happens more and more. You went to Germany. You mentioned that you went to Ulm, sure. And you played on the second division team. That's kind of like a, I guess you would probably we would you and I would call it kind of a little bit high school, a little bit college. Yeah, like 18, 19 year old guys yeah. getting ready to play in the BBL someday. Right, right. And they, that you kind of that was that was where you spent that your senior year. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. So what was, you know, I'm always fascinated because the, especially now in Germany and certainly Serbia, Spain, the academies, the development, the fundamentals are really good. I I imagine it was like that in Ulm, right? Where you got a lot of coaching. Yeah, no, it was a ton of coaching. And um, actually, Ulm just like made a new facility. So there was a lot of like chances to work. And uh, my coach for this, uh, the second team was a, a an ex-Euroleague player who's really good, a point guard, Anton Gavel. Oh, um, I know. I coach Anton. Yeah. I, co- I coached him at the, uh, I coached him at the, uh, there used to be until a couple years ago, uh, that was called the Reebok Euro camp in Italy. 
Okay. It was an NBA combine, like for right. international players. Oh, Anton, wow. Anton was my point guard. Oh, wow. That's crazy. He was tough, tough, hard nosed, yeah. kind of quick, strong. And I think so, but it went in. He had, yeah, yeah. He had a good <laughs> career. He had a long yeah. career. No, yeah. He had a great career. So, um, him, yeah. uh, Chris, Chris Ensminger, and then, of course, the first league coach, Yaka Lakovic. So, oh, you play for, oh, Yaka is one of the greats. He's one of the greats, exactly. So yeah, that's um, right. Oh, that's so, really cool. So you, so Yaka was the Yaka, as you know, but Amer- Americans may know who are listening to this. My European friends listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yaka Lakovic is a huge name, a Slovenian. Yeah, five nine, five ten, left-hander, great shooter, tough as nails. Yeah, and now a good coach because he coached Killian Hayes. Yeah, yeah, he did exactly. Um, yeah, coached him. Now they're doing well as well this year. So. Good. Uh, great. So you got that chance to, uh, and I would think because, because of your, I, I, from what I can tell, uh, Jeremy and your mom came to here to the States that college was always on your mind, but in the back of your mind, you probably had to make that decision too. Like Franz Wagner did yeah. uh, to either stay with Alba or come to the States. And what was your decision-making on college versus turning pro? Right. So, um, I've always been open to both sides and, um, I still am, but uh, I think you know. I it was always a dream as a little kid to be in in uh, in college, just watching you know games and everything. It was just always so exciting, and then also just having that uh, the chance of having a backup, having the education, being on the safe side is always important as well. Because you know I'm not going to be playing basketball forever. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was it, it it was hard, but I think it was the best. And you know I can always go back to playing in Europe and everything. So yeah. Well if things go right, you may not play in Europe until the Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I got a feeling you might be going back to visit Europe. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> I hope so. Or playing uh playing European championships in the summer and who knows. Exactly. That's maybe, what I hope too. <laughs> yeah, maybe the Olympics someday. But you got to keep your options open because for uh, sure. And I love the BB I love the you know the BBL has become a good basketball league. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, it's a good league. And well, did you get to how much? How often during that year did you get to practice with the first division team? Yeah, so I played. I practiced with them pretty often. Yeah, uh, it was it was sometimes hard because I still had school, right? And uh, the school wasn't linked to the basketball, so you know I had a, I had a specific schedule in school, and uh, the the first team had a specific schedule too. And sometimes they would like practice in the mid like midday, so. Um, it was pretty hard to sometimes do that. And I, I never had like a consistent, like um, consistent, like practice times. So I, I'm, that's probably why I didn't really play, but I, I was on the team. Uh, I, I had, I signed the, the, the letter of intent to uh, be on the team and everything. So um, yeah, it was great. It was, you know, everyone there is elite. Um, some, some of them went back to America. Some of them went to even leveled up to EuroLeague. Um, so it was, it was great for me. Well, that's good. That's a good league, and you obviously with with Coach Lakovich, and you know that's a professional organization in, in that regard. Did um did you did Orange Academy, the second division team? Did you play games? Yeah, yeah, we played games. Uh, we were we were pretty good. We had ups and downs, and we had uh the last game actually was a playoff game, and uh we we were doing well. We were up, and then I actually that's that's the time it was a. Uh, the first of April, somewhere around that time, and that's when I uh, sprained my ankle first time. Um, so I was out, and then we lost that, unfortunately. But um, 
yeah, it was, it was a good season. It was, it was a, a season of like none. And so, yeah, a lot of my, a lot of Amer- American listeners don't realize that in, in, unlike America, where you have high school, college, you have club teams and you as a young player are still going to school. Exactly. And when you're not playing on a high school team, you're playing for home. Right. Exactly. A club. Yeah. So yeah. it's like two different things. Yeah. All right. So last February, I think you were part of Poland's European qualifying team. Yeah. Right. And uh, <clears throat> what's that like? What's that like representing your country? Your, you know, your mom is Polish. You, right. Polska. How do you say it when it's on the front of the jersey? Uh, Polska. Polska. Okay. You got the yeah. Polska jersey on. What's that feeling like? I, I can't even, like, it's just an honor. Like, you can't even talk about it. It's crazy. Uh, like, I didn't, I don't even think it was real. Um, and uh, Mike Taylor was a great coach. Uh, he's like another another coach is just crazy positive. Will never like shout at you, and he gave me the opportunity to to shine, and uh, it was great. It was it was it was really cool being especially being the youngest as well to do it. Um, yeah. So it was fun. The competition was pretty good, right? The big yeah, guys, yeah. strong guys knocking you around and right, exactly. And then how, um, yeah, how are your teammates? Teammates excited for you? Yeah, yeah. So I was actually pretty, like coming in. I thought they were gonna be a little bit, you know, like just not really talking to me or anything, communicating with me. But from the start, they were really helpful. They helped me a lot with the plays and everything, and they were all so excited for me, which was, you know, great. And that that boosts your confidence up too. So uh, that was really helpful. So as long as it fits into your schedule in, in the next five to ten years, because obviously there's a lot of complications. Yeah, uh, NBA, you know, whatever. There's a, you'll you'll want to play on the Polish national team. No, hundred percent. I think representing your country, your family's country. I think that's something that's really important to me, and uh, it would be a lot of, a lot of fun. And you know, the competition is always good. You know, playing for countries is always going to be competitive. Everyone wants to win, so it's a lot of a lot of fun and excitement. And and there's still family back in Poland. You still have relatives and yeah, family. yeah, a lot of rel- relatives. Yeah. So you know, just making them proud as well would be. Nice. Yeah, that's really cool. All right. Um, so the end of your freshman year, hopefully you're back soon. We want to see you back on the court after spraining your ankle. What what, hey, what was the uh, if you could share some of this and don't give any way any secrets, but sure. what's the last 24 hours been like? I mean, Baylor hasn't lost a game in, you know, a year and uh, kind of a little bit of a surprise. But you got to admit, that was a heck of a game the other night. No. Yeah, it was a heck of a game. And uh, I feel like we, we should have won. But, you know, it is what it is. And um I was I was so excited for them. I just I just wanted to help them and play with them, but um, you know we we lost in the end. But you you can't really think about it. You gotta go to the next one, stay in the present tense, and uh, like just you know look at film and see what you could have done better, and uh, just work on that and just go move forward because you know we still have the the whole season to go, and uh, we don't want to lose any more games. So. Yeah, you've heard about the Big 12. You went up to, I think your first Big 12 game was in Ames, Iowa. Yeah. 10,000 fans. What was that like? That was crazy. That's probably yeah. the most amount of fans I've ever been, like, around, yeah. um, especially because yeah. of COVID as well. Uh, it was great. It was great. It was a great atmosphere. And do you think the Big 12, uh, I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway, do you think the Big 12 is going to help your development as a player? 110%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every night, man, it's just, it's a good league because even the teams at the bottom are good, you know. Exactly, exactly. And but especially when it's they know who you are, they know who uh, Kendall is, right? Uh, you know, they're coming after you, man. Because 
you you know you got this reputation so it's it's fun and uh all right so the third member of your recruiting class langston love is going to be really good he he tore his acl in september or october i think i was october it was the scrimmage uh I, I watch him and it looks like he's doing well how does somebody like you pick his spirits up since you guys are you kendall and langston are kind of like a family you kind of came in the Right, yeah, we came in together and like from the start we've all been so close to each other. And um I just try and pick him up, be 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 there for it, like be there for him and just like let him know that he's he's like that. Like when he's back, I would, you probably know like during preseason practicing and everything, he was doing so great and um, he was he, he looked like he was gonna have a really exciting, promising uh, freshman year. So it's a shame, but as as I said, it's, it is what it is and you can't change it. The only way is to go up and just work hard. And I think that's what he's been doing. You can see he's been working hard with uh, Dave, our uh, athletic trainer. And he's, he's just excited to be back for next year. Yeah, he will be strong. All right, two more questions. I want to ask you about – I could ask you about the whole team, but tell me about Jonathan Chamo Chachua. He's this <laughs> guy for real with the energy every day. Tell me, tell me what you've learned from him. Yeah, every day. I remember coming in like preseason when I first came in, I would see him like at the gym every day, like three, four times a day. And um, that's just really like talking to him as well a little bit, just maybe like motivate me even more. And just like, it showed me that, you know, people are working as well. There's not only you there, um, everyone else is trying to get to the same place you are. Um, and he was helpful and, you know, we worked, we work out quite a lot together. So um, he's been a great guy and off the call, he's been great too. So uh, I learned a lot from him. That does it for the show today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you haven't done so already, make sure you rate and review the show on Apple or Spotify or wherever else it is that uh, you get your podcasts. If you leave us a good review, we'll make sure to read it. We always get really excited when we get great reviews. It also helps people discover the show. We love international basketball here. So if you do too, we'd love if you could help us spread the word to people and, and get the word about the podcast out there. So we'd really appreciate that. But Up until next week, you know that Fran will be back and he'll be bringing you to another place in his world of basketball. World of Basketball is part of the Sirius XM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Chris Tyler. Sound designed by Robert Moore. A special thanks to Sirius XM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. Sirius XM Podcasts.